0: For the past few weeks, we've been focused on being reminded of things that we already know. God's been really speaking to us, just saying, "I know you know this, but I want to remind you of it." And uh, a few days ago, obviously, we celebrated Independence Day, and just so that we're all on the same page and. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick definition of this independence. It means freedom from control or influence. Independence means freedom from control or influence. When the Declaration of Independence was signed, the colonies were no longer now under the control or influence of Britain. They were free now to govern themselves, and our nation, every July the 4th, celebrates that, and it's right to do that. It was a great day for our country, Uh, and today, I want to talk to you about what I have titled true independence. Uh, I want to talk to you about the word that God's put in my heart, and I've titled it, for those of you who are taking notes, true independence. Independence, And it's an independence that should be celebrated by us every single day. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, that's where my thoughts come from, two verses, verses 19 and verse 20. Listen, this is Jesus talking. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this, what? In remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Uh, But the hand of him, uh, well, no, let me just do verse 20. So notice uh, we did the bread and the cup. And uh, obviously you can see we have the communion table that's that set up here. And so, uh, as we, well, I think I have something back here. Yeah, do I? Oh, right here. I, whoever this belonged to now belongs to me. Because <laughs> I touched that, I want to give it back. So, within these trays, we have what we call these, the two emblems uh, that are the bread, which it's not one, the bread, in the Bible days, their bread was like matzah. It was matzah. It was like a cracker. And so that's what this little cracker represents. Uh, it symbolizes the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was given in sacrifice on the cross. And then we have the wine. Well, there's not real wine in here. There's grape juice in here that symbolizes wine. And the wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out on the cross. Together, we have this word called communion, or the Lord's table, if you will. And that helps us to remember, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because he wanted you and I to always remember the price that was paid in order for you and I to gain true independence, you see. Now, by definition, here it goes, once again, Here's true definition from a a, a biblical perspective. True independence is freedom from sin's control or influence. True independence is freedom from sin's control or influence. Let me put mine down here again. So now, what does that mean? Well, let's look at in Revelation uh, chapter 1. I'm going to turn there uh, really quickly and look at verse 1 through, uh, excuse me, verses 4 through 6. So now, listen to what the Bible says here. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has what? Freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. And the church say, Amen. Amen. So notice now the, uh, the, the Apostle John, the, I want you to key on that, that we have been freed from sin. We've been freed from sin and, and by, by the blood of Jesus Christ. So now, here's what we need to do. Let's take a step back and... To help all of us remember, Uh, for some of us, it will just be a reminder of something we already know. But again, from time to time, every single one of us needs to be reminded, needs to remember. In in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through our one man, which is Adam, and death through sin, in this way, death came all people because all sin Now John chapter 8 verse 34 Jesus said this Jesus replied very truly I tell you everyone who sins is a what a slave, a slave to sin One more verse and then we'll put it all together, Romans chapter 7, verse 23. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a what? A prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So notice the Bible says, because Adam sinned, as a result of that, the Bible says, sin entered the world, meaning Man became sinful, and so everyone that is born into this world is born with a sinful nature. Every single one of us was born with this sinful nature. And ultimately, as as a baby develops, we begin to see the sinful nature come about, uh, babies uh, get angry when, when mom doesn't come with the milk or when dad doesn't come with the milk on time. Uh, moms or dads, they, you, they begin to distinguish. That's not a cry uh, that, you know, of help me. It's a cry of I'm angry. How many parents know what I'm talking about? You begin to understand. My child has an angry cry. Why? Because there's something in that simple nature saying, where's my milk? Angry cry. And, it, and as that child develops, you begin to see something that your baby, that you thought was so precious, really isn't precious at all. And I say that in the sense that you begin to see a sinful nature. So we're all born with that. And then the Bible says, Jesus himself said, if you sin, then you are a slave to sin, meaning you are under its control. There are things that take place, Paul said, in my life. The things that I don't want to do, I wind up doing. How many know what that means? You know that it's already wrong. Meaning, and the Bible says all wrongdoing is sin. So if you know that this thing, it's wrong to go there, it's wrong to say that, it's wrong to do that, but somehow you can't stop yourself. And you do it. That's because we are our slave to sin. It controls us. It influences the, the words that we speak. It influences our attitudes, you see. So we're all born with this sinful nature. We're all born a slave or, or a prisoner, as Paul said, of this sin that controls and influences our life. Now, the problem is, once we have sin, how in the world can we gain forgiveness from God? The Bible tells us this, to, be, to gain forgiveness and freedom from sin Blood has to be spilled. Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says this In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Listen, and without the shedding of blood, there is, say with me, no forgiveness. So, what does that mean? It means when you do wrong and you know you've committed a sin, your promises to God that you never want to do that again and you won't do that again, God doesn't forgive you and I on the basis of promises. Perhaps because He knows that they're empty promises. Because He knows you did it once and you don't have the power to say no, you're going to do it again. So, your, our promises are empty. So we don't gain forgiveness by promising God. We don't gain forgiveness through tears. Listen, you can cry a river. That will not gain you forgiveness from God. So, well, does God have a hard heart? No. It's just that God is a holy and righteous God, and God has decreed in his word that the only way your sin and my sin could be forgiven, blood has to be spilled. Blood is required. So now, what do we do then? We can't gain forgiveness by joining a church. Please, if you think that coming here is going to get you forgiveness with God, you're in big trouble. Big trouble. No church, no religion uh, can give you relig- uh, forgiveness of sin. No. Here's what. Blood has to be spilled. That's the only way we get forgiveness from God. That's why Jesus Christ sacrificed his life on the cross of Calvary. He spilled his blood there so that he could uh, satisfy the requirements of God's holy law. So through Jesus Christ and the blood that he spilled on the cross of Calvary... We have now this opportunity, this great, incredible opportunity to have our sins forgiven, to to have the power of sin, its control and its influence broken in our lives. We just need to embrace that. We need to embrace Christ's sacrifice by recognizing I'm sinful, I can't have... In my, in my own self, the strength to break this sin, uh, and it's a control that it has, this influence that it has on me, I need to recognize God loved me so much, he paid the price by sending his own son to die for my sin. He, the, the, instead of my blood being spilled, God spilled the blood of his own son so that through that blood, we can gain forgiveness of sin. And not just forgiveness, but the power of sin being broken in our lives. Where sin now is no longer our master. In fact, let's look at some of scriptures. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's true Independence. Romans chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, For sin shall no longer be your master, meaning your ruler, because you are not under law, but you are under grace. Where all of a sudden now, when we embrace Christ as our Savior, his precious blood not only washes us and cleanses us, forgives us of our sin, but now the chains of control and influence are broken, and now we are no longer slaves to sin. Now we're no longer controlled by its influences. True independence. Now here's the the thing I want to talk about and why I felt to come up at the moment that I did. Because oftentimes, most of us that have been walking with the Lord for a few years, everything that I have just said, we we already know. But how many recognize there are times where we need a fresh reminder? And that's why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Because so oftentimes, we simplify we, we degrade the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior by thinking it's no big deal. And so to, to communion is supposed to help us remember, and that should have been me on the cross. My blood should have been spilled. Don't, I don't want to ever question the love that God has for me because this reminds me of his incredible love for me. For the Bible said, while we were still sinners, while you and I were still cursing his name, Christ died for us. And so, that's true independence, that when we embrace Christ as our Savior, the control of sin, the influence of sin, is broken as not only we are forgiven of our sins, But there's a second phase to this true independence that we need to look at and be reminded of. Back in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, I want you to look at the second part of that verse again. Listen, and he has made us a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, God not only has forgiven of our sins and broken the power, the control that sin has in our life, but notice now that the Bible tells us that God has made us a kingdom. By that means we are now the people of God. And he has made us now priests to serve his God and Father. Romans chapter 6, verse 18 puts it this way. You have been set free from sin and, everybody say and, and, and have become slaves of righteousness. So now, what does that mean? Let's put them together. God has made us through the blood of Jesus, which we're remembering now not only forgiven us of our sin and broken the control of sin in our life but now God has made us a kingdom and priests and we become now instead of a slave to sin we become a slave to righteousness you see true independence through the sacrifice of Christ means that we also now gain a purpose for life. Listen to me. God has cleansed us and purified our hearts from all the wickedness that we have done. He's broken the power of sin in our life so it doesn't control us any longer or influence us. We We have the ability now to say no to that thing. But now, God did all of that so that now he can bring before us the purpose that he has for our life. Yes. And said, I am going to, I've made you a kingdom and priest before me. You're now going to be a slave of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, the word slave there means bond servant. It, it, it was, a, it's a word that denotes when a, an actual slave loves his master so much, in the day of Jubilee when all slaves were to be set free, if the slave loved his master so much that he didn't want to be set free, that he wanted to be the master slave for life because he loved the master, then there would be an uh, all an would be driven and made in uh, the, the lobe of the ear of that slave. And it would forever signify, I am a love slave. I love my master, and I love being his servant. And this is the word that's used here, that God now has transported us because now we've been set free from sin, and now we've become this bond love slave of righteousness, living right, doing the right thing. Why? Not because we have to, but because we love God. We have purpose now for our life. So now, we're true independent so that we can serve God. So we have to, number one, we serve God through this righteous living. Now, here's the thing about righteous living. We have to be careful, and this is the problem that many Christians fall into today. It's a plague in the church. We have people that live by what they think is right, not by what God says is right. This is the book of righteousness. This is the book that says this is right living as God has declared it to be. So this is how you and I are to uh, align up our life with. This is what you and I are supposed to live by. Not by what we think is right. Certainly not by what this world tells us is right. Because, listen, this world is controlled by our adversary, the devil, evil. And so if we go by that, it's going to lead us in the wrong direction. We'll never live a righteous life. Let me give you an example. Uh, This world says, hey, uh, you don't have to get married before God. It's acceptable that if you just love each other, you can live common law. That's what the world says is, is right to do that. But this book tells us something different. It tells us the opposite. That when we are shacking up with somebody that we are not married to, and married means legally married. Come on. Can I get a witness somebody somewhere? Right? Legally married. Because I've talked to people and said, I've asked the question, are you married? And I've gotten the response, yes. And then I asked, are you legally married? Well, no. You see, people are living by what they think is right. If we love each other, then we are married. It's right to say that we're married, even though we're not legally married. And now we're not acting and living in a righteous manner. So it's important that I stress that God has forgiven us of our sin. He has broken the control and the influence of sin so that now we have a purpose in life. And that means we are priests before God. We exist To serve God. And the first way we serve God is we have to live this righteous life. We have to become slaves of righteousness. Which means we have to be a people of the book. Listen, this book is not archaic. It's not outdated. This book is more relevant today than ever before. But I say this, not condemning. Not harshly, but it's one thing to clap. It's another thing to read it daily and live it. You and I need to get into this book every single day. We will never be able to live righteously if we ignore the book. Because then what will happen is you will be living your life by what you think is right. Or by what somebody else tells you is right. I want to make sure it's in the book. You can tell me it's right, but if I can't find it here, I'm sorry. I can't listen to that. I want to make sure my life lines up with the book because then I'm living righteously. All right? That's number one. Number two, notice that we are priests that are supposed to also serve God. A priest ministers to God. Now, there's two ways that we can do that. We minister to God by first ministering to one another. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus is talking, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, meaning the king is God when when he comes back. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you were doing it to who? Who? This is Jesus saying, when I return, when the king returns, now, remember we talked about last week about we're all going to be judged before God. There's an accountability as the people of God. So when you stand before God, God is going to say, remember that time you helped that person move, that single parent? Well, when you helped her move, when you blessed her, you blessed me. You were doing it to me. You see, every time you and I uh, uh, do some act of kindness to one another, when we serve one another in one capacity or another, we're actually serving God. And that's part of the priesthood's life. Part of our life as a priesthood is not just living right before God according to the book, but then looking for opportunities where I might serve God by serving others. When we become self-centered, where life revolves around us and we're looking for people to serve us, then we're not living the life of a priest. Now, remember, every one of us that embraced Christ as our Savior is a priest. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, "I'm a priest." Yes. If you are a born again Christian and giving your, then you are a priest before God. This is not a reserve for the select few. In fact, that helps me to segue into my last point, and what I, I, why I feel to tie up with what we were just doing a few moments ago. Another vital function of the priests is to serve God through worship and praise. Right? Now, here's the thing that's interesting to me. In the Old Testament, when God established the law, remember the Bible tells us we're no longer under law now, we're under grace. But under the law, I was just reminded this week how not every one of the priests could come before God and praise and worship him. There were special priests that were selected for that. There were priests that were selected to, to carry all the instruments. There were a, a priests that were selected to guard uh, the tabernacle. There were uh, priests that were uh, uh, selected to carry the poles. Everyone had a function, but not every priest can come before God and worship and praise him. That was the Old Testament. But now we are in the New Testament. We are now not under the law. We are under grace. And under grace, the Bible tells us that you and I can come through the blood of Jesus. We can approach God boldly and confidently. Well, when we come before God, what do we do? The Bible says, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And into his course, meaning as you approach closer to God, you start out thanking God. But as you get more into the presence of God, transfer from thanksgiving into praise. praise and begin to worship him. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want, See, here's what we got to get reminded. Because... We have this thing called the sinful nature. And, and, and also often the sinful nature, man, it comes part of my Christian life. And, and, and in this way, I, I don't have a, a problem saying no to drugs any longer. Thank the Lord for that. I don't have a problem saying no to alcohol anymore or to beating up people. You know I used to beat people up. No, i just kidding. God freed me from that. Praise his name. But here's where the sinful nature could get into place and why we need remembering. We gather into God's house every week, and we begin appropriately so, as Pastor Jason and the worship team leads us, to enter before God and to honor God. But here's the plague that, could also, that also impacts Christians. The more the longer we're saved, the quicker our hands go down. I've gotten accustomed to God's presence. I've gotten accustomed to being near Him. Did you know that when the people of God first approached the mountain of God, they were fearful. The mountain shook. There was smoke, there was fire, and all the people, oh my God, they were, that's God, that's God. And they were so in awe. But as Moses ascended, and he was there 40 days and 40 nights, it wasn't very long before everybody, right at, at they're still at the mountain, where all of a sudden the awe has worn off. And they're still God's people, but now they're saying, "It's time to party. It's time to oh I, I got to wash my back. Sorry about that. I gotta wash my back. And right at the mountain of God, the Bible talks about them getting down to the measure that God told Moses. You better get down, there's two. I, I want to wipe them out. They've already forgotten the awe of my presence. It means nothing to them anymore. Can you imagine? It, didn't, it took less than 40 days for that to happen. So we ought to remember that when we gather, especially when we gather, but this is for every single day. The day that you and I get accustomed where worship and praise doesn't cause us to really get excited any longer, our hearts are grown cold, haven't they? And all of a sudden we realize, well, you know, that's for the young people. You know, I've been around the block anymore. I don't have to raise my hand anymore. Me, Me and God, we're tied. We're tied. And we forget that he's God. And more importantly, listen, here's the thought that really impacted my heart. More importantly, we forget that worshiping in the presence of God is an honor. It costs the blood of his son to to give you the ticket to come into his presence. And to label you, to give you that purpose I am making you a priest to to minister before me a priest to minister, a priest to minister. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. God has looked upon you through the lens of his blood, of his son, and said, now you can come into my presence. You can worship me. I give you the honor of lifting up your hands and blessing me, of opening your mouth and praising and magnifying my name. You see, the Bible teaches us That the angels that are gathered around God's throne, they worship without stopping. They don't take God's presence for granted. But you and I, see, we're better than the angels. We think we know more than the angels. We're cool, you know, we got to act together. Yeah, that's right. I read my Bible every day. Yeah, I got it together. So, I'm cool. I don't have to get into all of that. And that's why Jesus said, would you do this in remembrance of me? Would you remember what it took to purchase your salvation? Would you remember what it took to break the power of sin in your life? Would you remember what it took for for my father to be able to see my blood so that he can bring you the high calling and give you the high purpose of allowing you to be counted among those who have the privilege to worship in his presence. And that's why I felt that song just triggered it in my heart. To worship you, I live. That is the heart of a priest, the one who recognizes. I'm a priest not because I went to Bible school, not because I've achieved any status. I'm a priest because of his blood. I'm a child of the king because of his blood. And so because it was such a high price and he's given me such an incredible honor, I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't ever want to be flippant. I don't ever go through the motions. I want to honor and worship God in spirit and in truth, as the Bible says. So as they come down and begin to distribute these emblems, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Pastor Jason is going to lead us in some songs. We want to get to that point where we worship the Lord. That's true independence. Listen, here it is, true independence. You'll see, Come, let's put it on the screen. It's freedom from sin's control and influence so that, there's the purpose, we can serve God. That, brothers and sisters, is true independence. And as they shoot off fireworks on July the 4th, symbolizing their uh, exuberance and celebration, Every day that God gives us breath is a day that you and I should celebrate this true independence that we have been given. Pastor Jason, worship to you.